Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, close on the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up in the head. Hey, Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube this Sunday night. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish, joining the show today, our good friend who is seemingly retired from content, but he still shows up every now and again. We are grateful enough to have him on the pod tonight, Mr. Corey Draper from The Play Reaction how you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, yeah, I, I had the thought like it must be like the the doldrums of the off season if you're having me on here. Like, man, you're just like scraping the bottom of the barrel for uh, <laughs> for con. But I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been a while since I've been on a podcast and talking Bucks football, so I'm excited. Now we value your opinion, and for people who are not familiar. Uh, I mean, you still have the YouTube channel. It's not like you you there. used to yeah. have it, uh, but you used to put out content on a YouTube channel called The Play Reaction. Most of it was Tampa Bay Buccaneers oriented. And I got to say, as far as the format goes, you know, we've seen a lot of different types of Buccaneers YouTube channels pop up. But uh, I think to this day, The Play Reaction was still one of the best looking channels presentation wise. Mm. You really put your all into that. So I, I tip my cap to you, sir. I know that oh, you have put a lot you. of man hours into uh, making those videos what they were. And the 2020 Super Bowl one, that's still worth checking out to this day. That's an evergreen YouTube video. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I as the content creators for in the Bucks world were popping up in like 2018, uh, there was like, I mean, you had obviously what the buck going on and you had um, Buck's brief back in the day mm-hmm. with Chris Fisher and people were starting to pop up. I think, uh, I think our buddy James, Mr. Buck's nation was starting around the same time as I started mine. Uh, it was one of those like new frontier things that I wanted to try out. And I was like, what's something different I can offer that's out there. Cause I wasn't really confident in my knowledge of the game. Well, it's like, well, I can polish a turd and see if anybody wants to watch. So uh, I did that and, you know, I made some good videos, some not so good videos, but I am very proud of that. The 2020 recap video. I'm happy the Bucks won the Super Bowl, so I'd have an excuse to do just like one last hurrah on it. And uh, for those who haven't seen it, that's an hour long. So pack a lunch, but I'm very proud of it. So you can feel free to check it out on YouTube. It's all a part of the creative process, man. And we yeah. are uh, we are <laughs> definitely grateful for it. So let's get into today's topics 
Not a lot of news surrounding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we eagerly await training camp just a couple of uh, weeks away. But obviously, people need to find clicks from somewhere. And there was actually a great article written up by Tyler Dunn, um, who interviewed Carlton Davis. And mm-hmm. Carlton Davis certainly had a lot to say. And there's a lot of quotes from this article that are, uh, that are being thrown up all over social media, all over Twitter, Facebook. Um, you know, even your uncle who kind of watches the NFL but kind of doesn't has probably heard this quote. To put it simply, Carlton Davis put the rest of the NFL on notice and said that, quote, the Bucs are going to wreck shit this year. Uh, if people think they lost something in Tom Brady, then they have to realize this is a team sport and the Bucs are not shaping up to be the team that a lot of people already have them pegged as. You know, Colin Cowherd today or yesterday said he has them at three at four wins for the season. And, you know, we've seen them pop up on power rankings before where they are ranked 31, 32. A lot of people think they're going to be the second worst team or even fighting for the number one overall pick at the end of the season. Uh, Corey, I want to ask you first and foremost, what are your thoughts on the Bucks heading into this season? I know there is the change up at quarterback. It's going to be hard to move on from Tom Brady, yada, 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 all the stuff that you've heard. But with where they are, with the quarterback competition getting ready to be underway and a young defense that's looking to step up, are the Bucs really going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year? You know, it's i I'm trying to think of a good analogy um, because, you know, there was life before Brady. There was life during Brady. Now there's life after Brady. And for those of us that remember life before Brady, I feel like the situation we're in now, it's like we, um, we ditched our high school sweetheart because we had a chance at like the super hot prom queen and dated her for a while. And it was awesome, but it just never was going to last forever. So now here we come back to being who we were all along. Um, I, I, before Tom Brady, every off season, especially during during the James Winston years, I'm like kicking myself because I'm like, you know what, man, this offseason, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Like, I'm just not going to get overhyped. There's always a reason to say, oh, what if? There's always a reason to say, yeah, but look at the talent on paper. And uh, and I always have such high expectations saying, hey, we're going to climb out of it. And then we didn't. Uh, and they always underperformed. So that said, um, I'm trying to keep my hopes and expectations low. Um, but really, gosh, they're just doing it again. You know, you got the hype with Dave Canales coming in. And I, I, I'm sure most of us, you know, we don't blame all of last year on Byron, right? Brady had his issues, but man, a big part of that offense, big problem was Byron Leftwich. So we're bringing in this new guy. He doesn't even have experience calling plays, but he's saying the right things. He seems to check a lot of the right leadership boxes. And it feels like the offense has to be better, even without Brady. Um, you look at the defense and it's largely the same. You have Bowles calling the plays and and those guys know the know the defense and Carlton's talking a big game. They still have some swagger. But uh it it's just so cloudy when you don't know who your quarterback is. And we kind of know who our quarterback is, but that's kind of the scary part. So anyway, long-winded way of saying 
I don't think we're going to be competing for the number one spot. I really, really don't. I think it would have to be a disaster of Buccaneer proportions to happen. So we've been there. Um, I can't expect it. I can't put money on it, but I really don't think we'll be picking top, top five. I am thinking seven ish wins and hoping to be pleasantly surprised for probably the first time on my Buccaneers fandom, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So it's a tough thing. And I agree that I think a lot of people, and I I've made a lot of comparisons actually for this coming season to the 2019 season where um, they, they had fired Dark cutter. They were, they hired Bruce Arians. But if you remember, the Buccaneers lost Quan Alexander and Adam Humphreys that offseason. There was a cap crunch. They couldn't afford them. And there was a lot of people that thought, well, I mean, you know, this is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They didn't make any free agent splashes. They lost Quan Alexander. They lost another piece of Adam Humphreys. Jameis Winston's Jameis Winston. And then they end up not doing incredibly well, but they end up going seven and nine. And and I think that's sort of very similar to what this year might be. Mm. Do I expect them to win three or two games? Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Would it have to involve, I think, a lot of injuries that you probably can't predict? Sure. Like if Tristan Wirfs and Levante David, like if those guys go down for extended periods of time, okay, maybe, you know, who knows? But um, I also think that, and some people have asked me this, and, and I, I think the the floor for this team is probably four wins and that's stuff not really still not going well. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you know, Corey, you said about seven wins, the thing about it without Tom Brady, without some of the other pieces that they have with the inexperience that they have is I also think their ceiling isn't that high either. I think their ceilings probably at eight wins, maybe nine. Mm-hmm. I can't see them reaching double digit wins this season. Um, I think it would have to be something very unexpected, like yeah. very. Um, but I, I do think that, and it's not necessarily people inside of Tampa. It's not necessarily Bucks fans that are doing it. It's a lot of the national media that I think are sort of under, underrating them. And we're not sitting here saying, oh, they're going to go to the playoffs. Oh, they're going to make noise. They're going to go win a playoff game. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. We're not We're not saying that. Carlson Davis might be saying that, which we'll get into the full <laughs> stuff later. But, um, hey, if you don't think much of yourself, nobody else will, right? So. Right. And the thing about it is we're not saying that, but we're also not saying like, this isn't going to be the worst team in the NFL. Like you look at the Arizona Cardinals and what they've got going on right now. Kyler Murray's going to miss probably 70 to 80% of that season. Their roster is not good. They have a first year head coach and Jonathan Gannon. Like, and I understand fans being pessimistic because of Todd Bowles, first year, not going as planned, Uh, you know, Tom Brady retiring, obviously, but and, uh, and you know, you, you talk about Dave Canales and you mentioned Dave Canales has never called plays before. That's a risk. Like, we don't know what that's going to look like. That could be great. Like a lot of these coordinators are these up and coming coordinators, or it could sort of flame out like a buyer left with did. So we don't know. At the same time, though, I, I would be surprised if this team is even picking in the top five. Yeah. Um, could come the draft. I think their, their range is in that eight to, to, 14, 8 to 15 range in the draft, yeah. probably. So that's where I think things stand as far as the Buccaneers overall this season. 
it, the problem is, is you can't like you can't count it out, right? Because it's right. like I'm having flashbacks to the You've seen it before Morris years. Like <laughs> yeah, Raheem Morris, Greg Schiano, they each had their years where suddenly we go like they're looking good at the beginning of the year and they just fall apart. They lose one game and it snowballs into eight straight. You know whatever it is, like that is still on the table. It's just hard to imagine. And we've had to play spoiler for at least tempering expectations for this Bucks team in the past. Because kind of like you said at the start, Corey, it's easy to buy into a lot of the things that are going to look better year by year on paper, right? With Dave Canales and this new offense, I know he's a first-year play caller, but it's easy to get excited when you hear quotes from defensive guys who have been on the mm-hmm. teams for years talking about, hey, we're getting great looks at practice, and like this is yeah. something that we have not had in a little while. So you anticipate the changes and uh, and what can be better. But... Again, we'll see what happens. I do think they are going to be far from the worst team in the NFL. We are live on Twitter, checking in with everybody, hanging out with us. Lead Productions says in the live chat, is that my man, the play reaction? It sure is. Uh, pleasure to see you guys hanging out with us. Chris Cole, Richard T over there on the West Coast in LA. Willie Beeman, the moderator, holding it down. We are also live and taking your calls tonight, 305-224-1968. The meeting ID is 875 875- 0516-5920. Now, we have a call from the 323, and this person's been holding for easily 15 minutes. I mean, I think as soon as we started the show, they called in. So let's get him in here. From the 323, you're on the Cannon Fire podcast. Hello, you there? Yeah. Uh, what's up, guys? Huge fan, huge fan of the show. Um, so I actually had a couple questions about the criticisms of Baker Mayfield and uh, in regards to his play. Um, he, again, when he went to Cleveland, he had, like, a pass as prime Odell. DJ Moore with no other receiver and targets that are relative to, I would say, two or three status on most teams. And on the Rams, he had Van Jefferson at one. Uh, I was wondering the thoughts on the criticisms of Baker Mayfield, if you guys think they're fair. Awesome. Good question. It's a good question. And, uh, you know, you talked about the, the weapons and that's, that's interesting thing of what Mayfield's been surrounded with. And, um, in Cleveland, he was surrounded with, you know, Freddie Kitchens was this, this hot head coach and they traded for Odell Beckham Jr. and this and that. And they had Jarvis Landry and it just didn't really work out. Um, and I'd say that's the most comparable to what he'll have in Tampa because obviously, just like you mentioned, it was pretty much DJ Moore, uh, in Carolina. They had Christian McCaffrey in the back field but uh that also wasn't a very well coached team and then when he got to the rams by that point cooper cup wasn't really playing it was basically van jefferson and a bunch of dudes so i think when you have mike evans and chris godwin and then you combine it with a guy like rashad white if he takes another step and kate otten if he takes another step and i think you could have a pretty nice you know receiving core there uh for baker mayfield so here's the thing though i think the criticism is somewhat warranted because at the same time this is this is fourth team in a calendar year. Uh, there's a reason that this is his fourth team in the calendar year. Teams don't just let good, talented quarterbacks just walk out that door for, for nothing. Um, like like a lot of teams have with Baker Mayfield. And there's a reason the Buccaneers got him as cheap as they did for only one season. So uh, I do think he has flaws. And I do think this is also a huge year for him because good chance this is the last chance he's going to have as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So. What are your thoughts, caller, on uh, on Kyle Trask? I mean, is this Baker's job said and done already before training camp even starts, or do you think Trask has potential to to maybe surprise a few people? Because 
you know, you've heard on both ends of the spectrum so far that he kind of sucks at practice and there's other people saying that he's been a well-kept secret. So I'm curious what you think. Hello, you there? Three, two, three. Oh, yeah, sorry, was that me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do you think of your ass? Oh, oh, my fault, my fault, my fault. Yeah, you, uh, sorry, my name's Brian. When you said Connor, I thought you were talking about oh, the third Ryan. seat. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, um, I think the, the Kyle Trask thing is kind of interesting. Um, again, it's one of those things where you'll see. Uh, I think, personally, it's really just going to be a neck-and-neck thing, like uh, Dave Canales said in the Pewter Report interview. Uh, it's just going to come down to who turnovers less, who scores a, a bit more, and if the numbers match Trask, I think they'll if Trask beats Baker out in that, I think he'll win the job. Uh, just Again, I think it's very neck and neck, and they're trying to keep it as um, tight as possible to make sure no one really knows who's going to start. Yeah, right. And, uh, I'm also thinking with Trask, too, is that it could be um, – like how they blow smoke during the draft, where it's like, we're going to pick this guy, we're going to pick this guy the way they're promoting Baker. I think you don't know. I think we don't know, and uh, we'll, we'll see when the season starts. Yeah. Ryan, excited to talk to you again soon, man. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right, so talking a little more about Kyle Trask, you know, as we look ahead to training camp and the preseason, I'm excited that this seems like the most fair shake he's going to get, just like you had said, Evan. Um, and, and really everyone's expectation rolling into this is that this is this is it for Trask, at least in Tampa Bay, it seems. Uh, I think if Baker takes this job and starts for pretty much all of the season, um, then it'll be a it'll be a foregone conclusion that Kyle Trask may not work out in the long term for Tampa Bay. But, you know, Corey, would you be surprised? Because I, I sure as hell would. Would you be surprised if Trask actually went out there and, and, and won this job or at least made it tough for them to pick Baker? Uh, I would be surprised. It'd be a welcome surprise for sure. Um, I, it's interesting. Uh, Trash Trask is just such an enigma. He doesn't seem like the that kind wasn't of a mispronunciation. That I I heard you there. Uh, yeah, Tra- <laughs> Kyle Trash. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, go Gators. Um, I it, 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 okay. So you take a look at Trask's career. He was never that guy, right? Back up his entire. <laughs> Uh, high school and then college career. And then whenever he saw the field, it was because of injury. And that just seems to be who he is. So it's like, I've, I've kind of pontificated even on Twitter, just like, is he just the kind of guy who doesn't practice well, but suddenly when the lights are on him, suddenly he can turn it on. We don't know. We don't know if he could, he did that in college. Uh, you know, there were reasons why Dan Mullen in Florida was trying to start Emory Jones over him, even though Emory just was, just so hard to watch as a Florida fan. Um, and then Kyle Trask would come in and look amazing and Emory would get healthy again and they take Trask out. And I'm like, what are they doing? And it would be a back and forth where it's like, what is he doing in practice where the coaches just do not like it? Um, I was wondering if in Florida it was because he didn't play Dan Mullen style. Mullen loves the kind of mobile quarterback like Emory Jones was. And, and uh, you know, Kyle's not a mobile guy per se, per se. That wasn't his strong suit, but uh, I, so I wonder if he's getting here, they love the tools, they love everything. And he sat behind Tom Brady and then sat behind Blaine Gabbert. We just don't know anything about him. And I'm wondering, you know, if, does he need to be forced out there in order for him to shine, which is not a great thing to say about a quarterback, honestly. Um, 
but I'm very, very, very interested to see him play. Hopefully they give him reps with the ones in preseason. That's what I want to see. Um, oh, I, I do. I do think you're going to see that though. And, yeah. and here's, here's the thing about me with, you know, with Trask, like, I do think this is his last chance. Like Rhett said, at least in Tampa Bay, I'm, he's a former second round pick. If the bucks, you know, let's say it doesn't work out. The bucks look to cut him or, or something. Maybe not, not a preseason, but let's say in the off season, they look to just move on. I'm sure there's going to be some team that picks him up for sure. It's his former second round pick. He was drafting the second round for a reason. And while, you know, I'm not the biggest Kyle Trask guy. I wasn't a huge fan of the pick. I, you do have a point that like, you don't really know what you have. And I'm actually curious. I I wonder who who's the front office sort of rooting to win the job? Because on one hand, you have Baker Mayfield, who you've signed for one year, $4 million, former number one overall pick in hopes to, you know, not be Tom Brady, but help soften the blow of losing Tom Brady. I on the other like- hand, on the other hand, but on the other hand, you have Kyle Trask, who you selected in the second round. I sort of wonder who they're rooting for, because to me, you would think Kyle Trask. But if you're rooting for Kyle Trask, then why would you go out and sign a guy like Baker Mayfield instead of a lower end option? I feel like I already know the answer to that question. I think it's and, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think it's already been. I think it's been Baker Mayfield. Um, and and the reason I feel that way is simply because of of what has been made available to the press about Baker Mayfield. I mean, I just saw a post on Instagram today with uh, new players and new threads, and the second or third picture on there was Baker in his Buccaneers uniform. You know, we're not seeing that for Kyle Trask. We have not seen an ounce of any outside coverage. I mean, he's not a new player. There's another element there. He's not a new player, but outside of Tampa Bay, I have not heard any discussion at all about an actual quarterback competition. Baker's Baker's more marketable. I mean, for the one overall pick. That's what I was about to say. There's another element there. It's like, you know, in the end, it's it's still a business. And, you know, Baker's been on national commercials. I mean, he's a former number one overall pick. People know who Baker Baker Mayfield is. Man, I'm struggling with names today. Hey, words are Uh, hard, man. (laughs) <laughs> you know, number one overall pick and this guy, Kyle Trask, who played at Florida for a hot minute back of a second round pick. Like nobody knows who Kyle Trask is, except for basically out of, outside the state of Florida and maybe some hardcore fantasy football players who yeah. play dynasty. <laughs> like, yeah, it's Baker all the way. It's Baker's job to lose. I think we kind of all agree with that. And, but if you take things at face value, which what they've been saying is they brought Baker on for that competition. So yeah, Trask has got to earn it. So what better way to find out what you have in Trask than to bring in somebody who well, basically has the keys in his hands already and it's up to Trask to take it out. So Yeah, well, it's also, here's the thing, though. You say the keys in the hands. I don't think, whereas Brady, you know, like you knew it was Brady. Like, yeah. it's, not like it's not like, oh, well, Mayfield's the guy. Like, I don't think that. If, if Kyle Trask goes out and in training camp in the preseason plays better than Baker Mayfield, no matter how much the front office may want Baker Mayfield to win the job or the coaching staff, it would be a bad look to just give it to Baker Mayfield. I don't think that's the case. I think if Kyle Trask goes out there and plays well enough, he'll be given a fair shot. That being said, I don't know if you have that because just like you said, he may be a guy that just doesn't practice well. And unfortunately in a quarterback competition, that's mostly in training camp. You're going to have to practice well. And it might not be in the cards. One other thing I've been curious about, and I'd love to hear your guys thoughts on this, where from the beginning of signing Baker Mayfield, I was kind of like, he's kind of 
dare I say, Jameis Winston-like. You think about the bravado that he comes in, the confidence, and then the overconfidence that he has and a propensity towards turnovers. Mm. So it's just interesting to me that, you know, just three years removed from getting rid of Jameis Winston from being so turnover heavy that we would bring in someone like Baker who would run uh, a similar, or he wouldn't run a similar style of offense, but he'd play a similar way in uh as james winston i just to me it's like oh, wait a second this seems like we're going backwards a little bit what do you guys think i, I think he's sort of james winston light you yeah. know yeah. i i don't think he's quite the the turnover uh like machine that no winston was but also <laughs> but also i i think you know that he may not make as many plays as winston did that's right. you know that's yeah. the, the drawback yeah. there I, I don't think he's as polarizing on either end of the spectrum there but you know i kind of want to liken that to what we saw from Jameis in New Orleans under Sean Payton while he was there, uh, especially that one season when, you know, Devin White, the unfortunate horse collar tackle, whatever people want to call it. I know a lot of folks still argue that to this day. Um, but regardless, the game that ended his season up until that point, he was what five and one as a starter for New Orleans. He was playing some of the best football we've ever seen as far as consistently going out there and not throwing yeah. the game away every he was, single week. He, he, he was catered pretty good, but sure. Right. But I think a lot of people hope that in a sense, that's what Dave that. Canales can do yeah. with Baker Mayfield. If yeah. he can just get a little bit of that, you know, that, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That confidence and, and kind of, you know, refine it and keep it within the parameters of what's going to not lose you football games then I think we've seen what Baker Mayfield can do. Everyone loves to bring up the compare uh, the example here, but that one game winning drive in LA. I mean, the guy had been there for less than two weeks at that point, and no, it was, was it was like two days. Yeah, I, I mean, did not have any time <laughs> to ingest the system. Goes out there with just like you said, it was what Van Jefferson and a bunch of dudes. Cooper Cup wasn't playing. Everyone was hurt. So, I, I think in the long run everyone hopes his ceiling is just to be a game manager. Like I, I think, I think people would look at a season with Baker at quarterback. And as long as your defense is good and let's say he throws 26 touchdowns and only seven interceptions or keeps it under 10, then you're probably looking at an eight or a nine, one football team on, uh, you know, that's be. what I would, that's what I would think. I, I yeah. think well, an eight or nine win football team with uh, what the rest of the NFC South is working with, could potentially compete for the division down the stretch. You know, they wanted it eight and nine last year. So why could they not do it again? I, I think one other thing to point out too, is that, okay, why did he suddenly look good in LA? Like what's the difference? And to me, what I see is that that's what happens when he finally got good coaching around him. Like the Browns are the Browns. I mean, <laughs> they just cannot uh, get out of their own way. And they, you know, recycle, they cycled through coaches so much during his career. And then he goes to Carolina and they were in dismay, you know, disarray. Um, even though they owned us, uh, they, you know, they were trying to figure themselves out in, that, in the middle of last season. And then he finally goes to LA with Sean McVay. I think we all can all agree as a good coach, especially for a quarterback. And suddenly he started to look good, even with very little prep time because Sean McVay knew how to set his quarterback back up well and that's the hope with Canales is that he knows how to set a quarterback up to succeed well because of his hand with Geno Smith and I know it wasn't all him with Geno but he should get some credit there and he's seen it happen so I think that is kind of the hope that I sit with 
and gets me a little bit excited, especially being in this division. You pointed it out like who's running away in this division. I mean, whoever does, it's going to be a surprise because every single team in this division is capable of a top five pick. Every single team in this decision, this division is capable of winning the division. So who knows? Yeah, and, and you're you're playing those guys each twice, yeah. right? So yeah. that's that's you know, six games right there. Um, and I, I like the the point you make, and I think that's why Canales is one of the X factors for this team uh, in 2023. Is if he turns out to be a good coordinator and was just one of those guys that was you know quarterback coach worked his way up, worked his way up to be kind of you know becoming a good play caller. That's huge. However, though. We've seen it just as many first-year play callers do well. We've seen first-year play callers do bad. And I think if it's a rocky start, I think that's going to be rough. And that's why I think he is, without a doubt, one of the biggest X factors. That's because of that coaching aspect with with Baker that you mentioned. We got a call from the 941. What's your name? Where are you calling in from? What is good, boys? What's up, man? What's your name? Uh, my name's Andrew. I'm calling from Bradenton. What's going on, so, Andrew? Man. Hey, so um, I want to talk about talk about the um the Carlson Davis thing. I I know we're talking about the y'all are talking about the quarterbacks right now, and I kind of made my point the last show that um it was not a good situation for Trask, and but when Carlson said that you know the NFL was pretty much in for a rude awakening if they think that this team is um, pretty much going back to the basement of the NFC South or the league and period, just because we lost 12. Um, to be honest, I think that that kind of did boost Bucks fans a lot and get them to hype up. But another thing is like, I just don't feel like our coaching staff is like fully complete, even though like then again, Dave Canales, like, I thought he was a pretty good hire, but um, then again, he's never called plays. And Todd Bowles, like he's outside of the two, um, his playoff appearances with uh, those two play. I think he was only with two, one with us and one with New York. Uh, he's never really been a successful coach. So I don't know, but then again, you know, there's still positives. We still have talent, but I am just, there's, Sorry if I sound like I don't know what I, like if I sound, you know. But I just you're all good, man. I just don't know 100 percent where to go on the season. Like when Brady was here, I guess Bucks fans were towards like, oh yeah, we're winning and stuff. Because even when BA stepped down and Todd Bowles stepped in, like, um, people were all like, oh, it doesn't really matter. We have Tom Brady. We're gonna what? What can happen? Like, what bad could go wrong? And then we obviously saw what went down and. And that's what made me think. Well, I kind of knew it was going to happen when BA stepped down. When Todd Bull stepped in, I'm like, yeah, we're screwed. And this team is definitely going to have some sort of like um, um, downfall. But I, 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 think... I guess I was right. But like, is this only the tip of the iceberg? And I, I just, I, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see if the season. I can't say 100%. Sorry if I'm talking too much, but. No, you're all um, good, dude. We appreciate it from you. That's just a, a situation where we're going to have to see. Like, I don't know if I can, you know. No, you're all good. We are going to. 
I think he vocalized all of our uh, feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He covered it all. I think, uh, and I, I think I mentioned this earlier on, real quick. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that Bucks fans are a little bit pessimistic uh, about this team in 2023 is because of not necessarily the talent on the roster. It's because of the coaching staff. And you look at, oh, there's so much talent on this defense. Okay, well, you know, it's largely the same defense from last season. But, like, if the coaching staff, then that's why it's a tough sell. Like, Todd Bowles went 8-9 and nine with Tom Brady as his quarterback. Yeah. Tom Brady was not the Tom Brady last year. However, I think we can all agree that Tom Brady, that Tom Brady last year is better than what we've seen out of Baker Mayfield so far this season. You know, so like the Bucs have downgraded a quarterback. So you went eight and nine with Tom Brady as your quarterback. What are you going to do with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback? And I think that's where a lot of fans are pessimistic uh, about bowls in general. Look, there was fans, you know, literally just like the last caller that when the Bucks hired Bowles were a little bit worried because you look at Todd Bowles's jets. Uh, they went 10 and six the first year after that two straight five and 11 seasons and a four and 12 season before he was fired. So his first season was a winning season after that didn't have a winning season. His first season with the Bucks was a losing season. So I think that's a reason that there are a lot of pessimistic fans out there right now. I think it's easy for people to be pessimistic. I, I also think it is easy for people to get excited. But, you know, one of the things that we're going to learn, and I kind of understood what Andrew was saying as far as this team uh, having the capabilities of surprising people one way or the other, I think we are going to realize that, you know, some people got used to winning as fans over the last few seasons, that even an 8-9 and nine season was was incredibly jarring, a lot, a lot more so because it was, you know, a, a roster that had a lot of Super Bowl champions on it. But, you know, we're going to realize that wins are going to be harder to come by this season, without a doubt. And another thing with the Bucks as well, and this is what I think most rational people look at when, you know, they decide against putting all their eggs into one basket. Um, there's a lot of things that have to go right for the Bucks to be a team that wins 8, 9, 10, 11 games this year, or even wins the division. Uh, because you do look at what they lost. And while you can look at consistency at certain points, you know, Todd Bowles, obviously getting a chance to put together his own staff, I think was really important. Pewter Report had talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when B.A. stepped down, Todd Bowles didn't really have the time to figure out who he wanted to be on his staff. He kind of just had to roll with who was there and uh, good old Byron left, which was there to lead us into the promised land. So here we are a year later. He He puts together his own staff. He consolidates, cleans up shop a little bit. You shed some of the weight of the older players. You know, you don't have any 34 or 5 and 6-year-old defensive linemen on your team anymore. You're relying on a lot of young talent to step up. Uh, at the running back position, you have got Chase Edmonds and Rashad White with Keyshawn Vaughn on the backside. Like, that, that's going to have to get the job done for you this year. If Rashad White is not that guy, then by week 8, 9, or 10, we're going to be feeling it. This is going to be a run game that probably isn't much better than it was last year. Well, uh, and I, I think it's going to be dead. something they're going to emphasize. So, yes. you know, they're going to emphasize the run game a lot more. Now, they're not going to become the Tennessee Titans where it's 80% run or whatever, but I, I do think that, you you know, you're going to see, like, the run game is going to matter in, in Tampa Bay. Dave Canales, I mean, it, let's even see where this pass game is at because if Baker Mayfield proves to be a competent quarterback, then it's going to be up to Canales to make adjustments as the season goes on, play to the strengths of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, unfortunately, if you have to deal with injuries, you get to see how this team adjusts even more so, uh, who steps up, what kind of players you have. But there's a lot of things that have to go right for the Bucks, and I think they can 
But over the course of any given NFL season, we know that they don't always do. So it's it's this it's this fun game of tempering expectations, but also looking at what this team can bring to the table because it's easy for the casual fan to scoff at a conversation about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023. But I think for the people who listen to this podcast and look for local content and and really care about the team on this level, uh, these are fun conversations to have because you know the expectation is not Super Bowl anymore, and I would argue that from a content standpoint you have to look at the team a little bit more critically and it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun in my opinion. Yeah. I, um, I, there's lots of things thought, a lot of thoughts that went through my head during that call. Um, I mean, for one, the, the Todd Bowles thing, I know there's a lot of hesitation with him as there should be um, because of his track record and because of how last year went, like it, it's warranted, but I do think sometimes we put too much, uh, too much on a head coach. Uh, it, it like everything that goes wrong becomes a head coach's fault when man, it's such a multifaceted, like an NFL organization, just there's so many layers of leadership and accountability from the players all the way up to the front office. Um, so you can have someone like Todd Bowles, man, it looks like, Hey, he succeeded his first year in New York, but then, Oh, look at those years after. Well, how much of that was because New York, is not a good franchise, just like the Browns, you know, like, look, look at what they've won. Not a lot. Um, So I think for me, Todd Bowles, what I'm looking forward to seeing slash waiting to see on is what I really put on the head coach is game management. And he has shown not so great game management skills with clock management, when to challenge all that kind of stuff. But I think among the laundry list of issues we had last year, I'm just putting that down towards the bottom because that may have cost us a game uh, if you bring it down to it. Uh, Maybe two. You might be able to make that argument. But there were so many other things that were wrong. So it's how much can this team this year, how good can they be to counterbalance that? Um, And also, hopefully, bowls can can learn. I mean, we would hope that he would have learned by now. He probably is who he is when it comes to game management. But um, I, I think if this team fails, it would have to be glaringly. It would be a few things. Okay. Offense fails. Okay. So maybe that was his hire of Dave Canales. You can put that on his, uh, on his head, but then, you know, game management, did he cost us games because of his in-game management decisions? Maybe did the defense fall apart? That also would be on him, but other things like, you know, injuries, the Baker Mayfield, not doing anything. And then trash coming, (laughs) trash, Traska coming in and being trash. It's not a coincidence. Like that's on the front office. That's not on Todd Bowles. It's like there. I mean, of course he does take some blame because he has some leadership there, but there's just, I don't know. I think the point I'm making is that there's, there's a lot of layers here and you have to kind of weed through what is Todd Bowles' fault? What is not his fault? What can we put pin on him? What can we not pin on him? There's the, Oh yeah, he's the head of the team. So that then naturally goes to him. But then there are some things that he cannot control, which often they'll say, Hey, the coaches don't play the game. So, and I think that's where that comes from is that, they can do everything they can and actually be a good coach, but the combination of talent that the GM has put on the field, you know, whatever it is, there's just so many variables there. Here's the, the one counterpoint that I'll sort of throw there. You say, you know, Todd Bowles, you know, you talk about New York not being a good organization. Uh, Outside of three seasons here in Tampa Bay, have the Bucks been that great organization? Fair point. 
So, you know, that's, that's the thing. And, and I think this is a big year for Todd Bowles. Look, I mean, Bucks only win five games this year. I don't know if Todd Bowles is the head coach in 2024. Like, I, I don't think the leash is, oh, you know, we know you went eight and nine with, with Brady. You went five and 12 without him, but let's give you another year and see. I, I don't know. You know, and the Glazers have shown, like, they'll give you, they'll give you two years, but after them two years, you, you better improve. And I mean, you know, they made the playoffs, but they got whooped in that playoff game. Like it wasn't even, it's not like it was a competitive hard fought game. Um, and they won a division that was terrible. Um, and took a while, almost lost it to the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so, well, I, I know we got a caller coming up real quick, but one other quick point I want to make about the head coach, what I look at is what I I've learned from Raheem, uh, uh, excuse me, from Raheem Morris and from Greg Schiano and is do the players give up on him? Right. Like what is the moment the player once the players give up on them, then I've given up on them. How, how are they? How are they going to respond after that first two game, right. three game losing streak? Is it going to turn into six, or is it going to stop there? Is there infighting? You know, is you know if people like Carlton Davis after talking all that trash turn turn like turn out to be like Jalen Ramsey, and then is asking for a trade like that kind of stuff, which you know we can already have Devin White doing, but. <laughs> like what are the players doing? That's what I look to when it comes to like whether or not I feel like a head coach should leave or not. We're talking about the Bucks with our buddy Corey Draper live on YouTube. We get a call from the six two six. You're on the Cannon Fire podcast. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Good evening, fellas. This is Richard T. What's uh, up, Red, Corey. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay called because i have to vent about something that's been really irking me this past week and it's a whole new level of disrespect straight from the nfl itself um not sure if anyone else noticed this and i haven't shut up about this and talking to some of my other buccaneer friends but you know, uh, this past week it was the, it was um, Independence Day, and the NFL Network was having a marathon of the America's Game, right? Where they have a segment or an episode following the Super Bowl winning team. Yeah. Right. So when when I jumped on the NFL Network, I think it was like Monday morning. I'm getting ready for work. I see that they have this marathon and at the time it's covering one of the 1990 Cowboys winning team. Cool. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be at work. I'm going to set my DVR for the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going down the, the guide and it's not there. Dude, it, they literally skipped from 2000, 2001, 2003 and continued on and i like i felt like i was gonna blow gasket because i'm like what the hell are you serious how are they going to miss this episode one of the greatest dominant performances in in a super bowl game Scoring three defensive touchdowns and you're not going to cover it. Well, do you, well, I don't know, Richard. Do you want to know why that is? It actually, it, it has. I mean, your frustration is warranted because it's a cool moment. You know, it's a cool thing to watch, and you didn't get to watch that. But it actually has nothing to do with the Bucks themselves as to why that didn't air. Um, it is because 
John Gruden is still uh, like suing the NFL and John Gruden is involved with that documentary. So therefore they decided not to air it anymore. Even outside of that discussion, Richard, I will co-sign with you because this is what drove me. Uh, this is what drove me up a wall the most about the Bucks outside of the Brady era was just the lack of media coverage. Uh, I would consider it disrespect, but it happens to most small market teams. And I know the Bucks are a reason Super Bowl champion, but we are now back to that small market team treatment, which means it, it's just it's the way it's going to be, buddy. I mean, we may we may pop up on like an NFL shop commercial maybe once this year. I know they usually over the course of the season, we'll, we'll put out two or three of those with the people dancing in the streets and they got the jerseys on. Uh, but you're not going to see the Bucks on those commercials anymore. Um, it's just I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know why it happens, but it does seem like they are one of those teams that just barely makes the cut. I think Houston Texans fans can also uh, can also agree that they barely see their team on any promotional material for the NFL. So unless Jaguars. Mike Evans, <laughs> it, yeah, the Jaguars are up there as well. Although Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's got to be one of the most marketable young quarterbacks in the NFL just because of the hair alone. So mm-hmm. I, I completely agree, Rich. Uh, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you one more question before we toss it over to the fellas as well. Richard, what do you think of the young defense? We talked a lot about the quarterback battle um, but we haven't talked a lot about the young pieces on the defense who are going to have to play well, you know, along that defensive line, moving on from some of these veteran defensive linemen and then looking for guys like Joe Tryon Shoyinka to develop. What are your thoughts? Can can this pass rush in particular and a lot of the young pieces on this defense, can they step up and uh, and be productive for Tampa Bay this year? Yeah, I, I think when it comes to the defense, um, and I know that they have some young pieces, but the core of this defense has been together for four plus years now, right? Um, what's the word that the, oh, continuity, right? Continuity, continuity is is very key to the to the success of a team, especially on on that side, that side of of, of the ball. They could, when you have that continuity, you know, players know other players and know their limitations and know what they're best at and know how to kind of, you know, they, they play well together because they know each other so well. Um, I don't know if I'm wording it right. So I think with adding the new players in, I think it's, it's going to be, uh, look, it's all going to be a growing process for them. I think for the most part, um, because of the good coach, you know, Todd Bowles is a great defensive coach. Plus you have the, the veteran guys around, like Levante David, Carlton Davis, and now, you know, um, Win- Winfield Jr., you know, I mean, all these guys are starting to step up. Shaq Barrett coming back to the lineup, Vita Vea, and who's the anchor of the defense. Like, I think they're going to come in and help out um, with, like, side coaching with the new pieces. Um, Kalijah Canty, we're, we're, we're really high on him. I think... Uh, I, I think he's like there there's a side where Buck fans are are very high on him and there's another side where he's gonna be probably another bust because he measures up like Aaron Rodgers, but guess what? He's not Aaron Rodgers, right? Um there's I, I don't know. So we'll we'll see how that, that's gonna go. I think the defense is actually gonna be really good. I think it's actually going to be the carrying part of the team. Um, 
until we actually see what this offense is, what it's going to look like, how success it's going to be, um, the defense is, is going to be the it factor for this team. Um, and that's the very Tampa thing to do. That's what Tampa's always been known for is defense. We've always been known for defense. And um, I, I love the fact that the defense is going to be the main, the main stake for this team. Yeah, going back to your roots in a sense. Richard, thank you for calling in and always showing some love over there in, uh, on the West Coast, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. And uh, speaking of going back to your roots, we will wrap up the show with this. We would be remiss if we did not touch on the most pressing topic in Bucks football today. It is the return of the creamsicle. Obviously, more people seem to be excited this time around uh, because before I used to complain or I used to hear complaining, excuse me, from all of my old uncles and, and grandparents about how all oh, the orange reminds us of losing the legacy of failure. But I would be, you know, I, I would be, I would be hard pressed to find a better throwback uniform in the NFL, regardless of if it's a legacy of losing or not. The Bucks have yet to shake the worst winning percentage in the history of the NFL. So until then, I guess let the creamsicles ring. But July 12th is when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers announced they will reveal this new iteration of the creamsicle, which we are led to believe, given that Levante David said a couple of weeks ago, that it's different than the ones that he wore back in the day uh, in 2012. So, Corey, let me ask you first and foremost, as you are repping the most creamsicle. See, Corey and I got the memo for the show this week. Evan, the only one without the creamsicle here today. But... Can we expect just an updated traditional creamsicle? Because that's what I think. Orange top, white pants, and may, maybe like an updated logo somewhere. Not the pirate flag. It's going to be creamsicle, uh, Bucko Bruce. But I feel like there's going to be some of it that's like a little different. But just for the sake of, of a modern take on a classic uniform, I know there are some harebrained theories of, you know, a white top and the white pants kind of going for that 1976 uniform that they only wore for that season but what do you think what are uh, what are your expectations for the return of the creamsicle well i think no matter what twitter bucks twitter is gonna agree a hundred percent on whether or not they like these uniforms you you, you think it's you think it's <laughs> oh you said <laughs> okay yeah, yeah that's uh yeah ha- yeah hashtag sarcasm on that one yeah it's gonna be it's funny there seems to be Obviously, uh, when it comes to things like the Super Bowl halftime show or any jersey reveal, any uniform reveal, you'll go to Twitter and you're like, man, everybody hates this thing. Um, So I'm not looking forward to that. Hopefully I can be less tempted to go on Twitter this time around. Uh, Although, except except the Chargers uniforms, whenever they come out with the baby blue uniforms or any type of variation with that, suddenly the whole world is at peace and we're holding hands and lifting them up to the gods as the most beautiful uniform ever. I don't really get that. But anyway, uh, as to your question, I hope they don't mess with it too much. I mean, it's like we've been begging for these to come back for 10 years and more than that. uh, And we want what we want. And I think we've been expecting... Let's just bring back those orange, creamsicle orange. I, I'm a little curious slash concerned as to what shade it's going to be. Because if you look at old pictures from like our throwback games with Josh Freeman, but also compare those to the 70s and the 80s, they all seem to be different shades. Mm. And no one can ever seem to get the right shade. I mean, I feel like right here. The, even, the, one, the ones from the 70s seem darker. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, I have this. I have a bunch of throwback Buck stuff, and even like the modern things that are being made with throwback, the shade still wasn't accurate with each other. Like I have a beanie with the same logo, but it's a different shade of creamsicle. So it's like oh, let's just hopefully they choose the right shade, whatever that is, uh, and it's a good looking one. And that's that's all I really care about. Um, I just wish that we could have seen Brady in those uniforms and. Yeah. I hope they don't mess with the helmet too. I love the white helmet. Yeah. With no, you can't mess with that. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, I, I agree with you. I don't think they should touch it. Like yeah. there's no reason to touch it. Like just leave it alone. Why does everything have to be a modernized thing? Like why? You know, I, I don't, I don't really understand. Yeah, I know. I know. But you mean to tell me like the cream sickles haven't been around in 10 years, 11 years. You mean to tell me they wouldn't sell anyway? Like yeah. why, what does it matter? So uh, I, I hope Levante either saw a wrong picture or, um, or, or it's like, like we, we talked about in the Pat show, like the only thing I'll accept is if it says like Buccaneers, like across the thing and like red or whatever, don't put nothing on the sleeve. Like the, the stripes go on the sleeve. Like the, yeah. the pirate ship doesn't go on the sleeve. Don't do anything. Fan- don't change the numbers. Don't, you know, like you definitely don't change the helmet, like the face mask or anything like that. No, there's no reason. And please don't do white. Like it's, it's not, like it's a cream sickle. I would promote it as a cream sickle game. You cannot do a white jersey. If you yeah. want to do that in in another season for an alternate for a fun like away game, whatever, go ahead. But like yeah. for a cream sickle throwback game for the first time in eleven years, it can't be that. I, I agree. agree. It would be stupid. And you said this last uh, last last episode. From a marketing perspective, it would be so dumb to hype up the return of the cream sickles and then just roll out a white jersey. Yeah, uh, but I would come around. I would come around to it. I would come around to it. White on the white—that—that that. That would be all. Uh, see, I'm—I'm I'm, in general, I'm anti-white on white because it's so bland and boring. People like the phrase now is "it looks so clean." It's like, what does that even mean? They get dirty <laughs> in the trenches anyway. Like, it looks clean. It's boring. It's white. Like the reason we love the creamsicle so much is because of how unique it was. That's why they love the baby blues with chargers uniforms. Like when it's a very unique and it's like only this team wears this, no high school team, no college team. When it's unique, that's what makes it so great. I think that's really honestly, after we got away from the losing and came back to them, that's why people love them. Cause they're like, dang, those are, those are different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll co-sign with that. I think as far as, you know, the, uh, the new era of NFL throwback uniforms, my favorite handling of the throwback uniforms is probably the return of the new England Patriots. Their old, oh, uh, man, you know, Patriot Pat, the red top with the white pants. Those are some of the best throwbacks in the yeah. NFL and they wear them twice a year as far as I'm concerned. And they really have not made any drastic changes to that uniform at all. Just brought it back. Boom, here it is. And uh, it looks fantastic all these years later. But ladies and gentlemen, before we wrap up the show, I want to thank our good friend Corey Draper from the Play Reaction for spending the last hour or so with us. Thank you to everybody who called in watching live along with us on YouTube. Corey, I know you're not really in the content game anymore, but where can people find you every now and again on the Internet? Thank you guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun. It's I feel like I could talk for another two hours. I'm sure no one would want to listen to that, but I really appreciate it. Uh, and also before I answer your question, sorry, I just like want to interject something. There's something I've talked about on Twitter a lot and it's, uh, there's a local radio personality that calls it the Peter King theory. We get so mad about like what the national people think about us, what they write about us. We're not getting clout on sports center or sports illustrated or whatever national it is. Stop watching it stop paying attention. I haven't watched ESPN in like over a decade because I realized 
you know more. If you're listening to this podcast, you know more about your team than any national pundit does. So mm -hmm. all they're going to do is talk ignorantly to you. So if you just want some more peace in your life, that's my piece of advice. Keep listening to this podcast and all the local stuff because what they got, what these guys do is they actually provide the real information. So anyway, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, that's where I'm, I'm active now. I tweet a lot uh, at the play reaction on Twitter, um, which that was my YouTube handle. So I just kept it the play reaction. Um, I'm starting to get a little active on like TikTok and Instagram a little bit, just posting memes, but that's just for fun. I'm mostly active on Twitter. So hit me up there and also check out the YouTube channel, the play reaction and look at my old videos. If you want to laugh and cry. Yeah, some great and not so great memories, obviously, from some Bucks teams of the past over there. And uh, Twitter always bringing out the best and the worst of the Buccaneers fan base. So always a great time. Uh, follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can also find us on threads. Hell yeah, at Cannon Fire Podcast. Make sure you do that for some recycled Twitter content coming at you exclusively <laughs> on the newest Instagram app. Uh, you can find my co-host Evan on social media. Find him on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on threads at Bucks underscore daily and Twitter at Evan NFL. Uh, and check out his written work over at BucksNation.com. I know he's been doing some position breakdowns as of late, and you can also check him out doing his thing over on the Mr. Bucks Nation YouTube channel. Filling in for good old James over there. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Thanks once again to everyone for hanging out with us tonight live on YouTube. I know it was short notice, but, you know, it's that time of the offseason. So we will definitely talk to you more as we get closer and closer to training camp and uh, who knows, maybe we'll do another show next week with a hell of a lot to say about the Buccaneers creamsicle uniforms. For Corey Draper and my co-host, Evan Wanishai, I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.